So we have a lot of differences, for sure, our own individuality, but we enjoy the, I think, the common ethos and mission that binds us, and that is to bring people into the natural world and have them experience why do we live this way and what do we find valuable in it? We want to show people and share that with them, and that binds us all together. Hello there. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, for season three of our series, where we soak in the senses of the summer and linger a little longer as we dive into refreshing conversations with creators and curators from around the world who know a thing or two about good hospitality, good gastronomy, good times, and good vibes. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Kirsten Dixon, co-founder, owner, and chef of Within the Wild, an award-winning boutique lodge in the Gulf of Alaska, offering transformative backcountry adventures with wild Alaskan cuisine, alongside one of the richest ocean estuaries in the world. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company. Thank you, Molly. Now, before we get to know Condé Nast's best resort in the Pacific Northwest, we want to get to know you. Can you tell us about yourself, your medical career in Anchorage before developing your passion for cooking and gardening? Oh my gosh, yes, I can. I came to Alaska in the late 70s as a newly graduated nurse, and I worked at the Alaska Native Medical Center in Anchorage. I worked in the intensive care unit, which is where I was assigned. And there I met my husband, Carl. I met him on the first day that I was at the hospital, actually. And a year later, we were married. My husband, Carl, was an audiologist at the time, but he was already on the trajectory of wanting to change careers. He was and still is a very passionate outdoor person. He wanted to live very close to nature in the beauty of the natural world. And I was a little bit more of a city girl at the time. And but I, I had some complimentary, I think, interests that melded well with Carl. We're still married after 40 plus years, and we still really enjoy and love our lives together. So we quit our jobs in Anchorage. We sold everything that we owned. We moved out to a remote location northwest of Anchorage along a river, and we basically homesteaded a little property that had already been started by a previous family. They had started a log structure that they had sort of stopped. And so the the real value there was Carl began to learn about construction skills in a remote location. We had a little kind of a hand lumber mill sort of thing that we cut some boards down for a floor we built. Uh, we had a little cabin, tiny little cabin that we lived in for one winter and one spring. And then by then he had done enough work on the main building, we could move in the following spring. And we lived there for quite a long time. We named our little lodge River Song Lodge after some a line in a Van Morrison song, <laughs> a Crazy Love. And we really enjoyed life there. We had two children, two daughters, and I learned how to garden. The girls learned how to live 
sufficiently. And in, I think maybe around the mid nineties, we began to have some feelings about the work we were doing. We were, we ran a sport fishing lodge, River Song Lodge was, and still is a sport fishing lodge. And we began to feel that we wanted to live a little bit more sustainably rather than extracting so many fish from our river, salmon in particular. Uh, we wanted to get away from that and go into a little bit more experiential lifestyle where guests came to do other things besides just catch fish. So we found some property that was even yet further away, sort of more west and north of River Song Lodge. And the property was on a beautiful little lake. So we named it Winter Lake Lodge. And we moved there in the 90s. And we still ran River Song Lodge for some years, but then we finally sold that property in 2004. And we had another little lodge that was a bear viewing lodge out in the western side of Cook Inlet, which is the big body of water that goes you know, from the ocean up to Anchorage that Captain Cook sailed upon. And we ended up selling that property also in a little bit later, 2012 or something. So we've been a little bit of serial lodge owners along the way, but we've never uh, not done that work ever since we left our medical careers. And we still really love what we do. We bought Tutka Bay Lodge in 2008. And I just whimsically wanted to sort of live along the ocean or see the ocean or know how to cook with seaweed. That was my big motivator. I wanted to learn about seaweed. And we just stumbled upon a couple that were trying to retire and they had a beautiful property. And, you know, at first I said, oh, no, sorry, we can't take on any more, you know, work and no, thank you. But then we looked at the property and, and the opportunity and really fell in love with the community. And we bought Tutka Bay Lodge in 2008. How amazing that you've been able to kind of take each of these different homes of yours and turn it into something special, invite guests to come and join you in those local experiences. But then you've also learned, I'm sure, along the way in how to repair things, how to build things, how to offer those different hospitality experiences that you're now so well known for. But I am curious for you in particular, besides owning these lodges and this hospitality company of yours, you have a personal career as an awarded chef, a cooking instructor, and a cookbook author. Can you share a little bit more about what inspired all of that? So, you know, I always loved to cook. Even as a young girl, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, I really gravitated to the kitchen. Both my paternal and maternal grandmothers were cooks, you know, women weren't really chefs in those days. And I, I loved the feeling that cooking gave to me in terms of the creativity, the complexity, and, you know, also in some way, the impermanence of the art of cooking. You know, you work so hard, you prepare something, people eat it, it's gone. When Carl and I purchased the land at Riversong Lodge, I was so excited to be moving away from nursing, which was sort of, and at least in my a realm of nursing, I, I was really at kind of at the end of life for a lot of people. When you're in the ICU, you're sick and, you know, maybe die. I wanted to be in that middle bright part of life where people were on vacation and they were happy and they were living and healthy and, you know, really gathering at the table. And that's what I 
achieved. Carl, he really wanted to experience the the beauty and grandeur of Alaska. He did want to live more self-sufficiently. And we both wanted that freedom of time to spend with our daughters where, you know, we weren't really wage slaves. We were enjoying life and and we've achieved that. So now 40 some years into it, I, I really feel that we were able to accomplish our goals. I started cooking at Riversong, very like country hearty meals, like country ham and mashed potatoes, you know, things like that. You know, back in those days, there was no internet even invented yet. There, you know, books were sort of marginal and we were very remote, very difficult to get, you know, any access to learning. But we had a lot of guests that started coming to stay with us. And we only had at first one guest cabin, four people. Then we had two guest cabins and then three. Um, But we had a couple that were uh, from Paris and they came, they were older and they came every June and stayed all of June with us. And then they went back to Paris and they came every August and stayed all of August with us. And they invited me to come and stay with them in Paris. And they facilitated for me to go to school at the Cordon Bleu in in Paris. But more than that, we went around France in their Citroën. We went to three-star and two-star restaurants all over France. And, you know, for some period of time during those years, I knew every three-star restaurant in France. And so that was really my my big education. Like, oh, there's people in the world that really love this commitment and dedication to cuisine. And and that's where I, I think I had my start to be more creative, more confident, uh, learn more, travel more, um, learn from traveling. And that kind of set me on a trajectory. And I always really loved to write. So as I learned, I tried to share with others what I've learned. And I'm still doing that. And I'm still learning, honestly. You know, I'm 68 years old and Every day, I, I am still learning something about the culinary world. So it's a it's a fascinating landscape that certainly kind of collides into the intersection of culture, cuisine, enriches experiences and hospitality in, in so many ways. We can have guests who come and stay with us that are a little edgy, like, oh, no, did I make the wrong vacation decision? Sit down, have a good meal. They're happy laughing, and then they love every moment from then on. Absolutely. Well, and to your point in the fact that you moved away from nursing because you wanted to find those moments of joy. And I think that you give exactly that in the food that you provide. And that's so nice to to hear that you love that learning aspect. And, and that's what I love about cooking as well is there's always something new to learn, to try, to tweak. And the fact that you're able to share it with others too makes it so special. So you're not just doing it for yourself. You're not just doing it and putting it out into the world, not knowing how it does, but you're actually seeing the smile on people's faces. You're seeing their plates licked clean. And so (laughs) that's so nice to see that you really get to enjoy that experience that you're providing your guests. And again, wanting to kind of focus in on the fact that you did move away from a big city in Alaska, in Anchorage, and you transitioned into this wilderness landscape. What was it for both you and Carl? Was it the wildlife, the seafood, the people? That really drew you to this sense of place in the countryside of Alaska. In the beginning, for me, it was really just the man that I'd married. You know, I loved being around him. I didn't like when he had to travel a lot within Alaska in his profession to small villages and was gone often. 
I was working in intensive care, long, you know, 12 hour days. And so just to have the freedom of time together was precious. And we have always been really good at entertaining ourselves at night. We lived in this little cabin and we actually pumped our water from a a well pump to do our dishes. And uh, we had a little kerosene lantern at our table. And after dinner, we'd play card games or some, you know, intricate kind of game, or we would listen to the rural radio, we would try to dial in on the radio. So, you know, we never felt that we needed others, you know, necessarily. And I began to learn to appreciate the natural world, not in the same way that Carl did and still does now. I don't want to climb the mountain or hike for 35 hours straight, but I love the aesthetics of the life that I live. I live around a million trees and I live around clean, fresh, pure air and beautiful water and, uh, you know, just the, the stunning beauty of the unspoiled landscape that I live around has grown so much a part of who we are, who I am. And, you know, Carl's much more of an action boy. You know, he wants to, you know, be uh, much more physical in the natural world. And, and I seek to find the beauty in the contemplative part of the natural world. So we're a good combination. Absolutely. Well, and then you provide both opportunities for your guests. You really attract any and all who want to have that appreciation for the natural world. And a lot of people like myself who grew up around cities and metropolitan areas then come and they get to experience the beauty and you get to show in a way that is is best for you, but also best for the guest, whether they want to go out and adventure or they want to sit on the front porch and take it all in. And I love that you're able to really complement both experiences. So what really drew you and Carl to build your backcountry hospitality brand within the wild? What were those early days like and what did you really envision for the, the business itself? So, I mean, you know, I was only in my early 20s, right, when we started doing this. And we could never really envision a long-term plan of having multiple lodges. Once we sort of stumbled upon the property that would become Winter Lake Lodge and uh, Readout Bay Lodge was the name of the other property that we developed, we then had multiple destinations and they were all within South Central Alaska. There's five parts of Alaska that are all very, very different from each other. But even within South Central Alaska, the terrain, topography, geology can be quite different. And so we needed a way to sort of combine those three properties into a a group. So that within the wild was the name we chose. We have now since sold uh, all of those properties just because we're getting a little older. We're beginning to taper down a little bit. So at the current time, we we own Tatka Bay Lodge. We own a little cafe in the small, really vibrant and fun artsy, cool town of Homer, Alaska. And the cafe is called Labaline Cafe, and it's fun to run. It's fun to eat there. The food is great. And then I just recently bought a 
peony farm. And so it's a flower farm with 7,000 peony plants on it in Homer. It's gorgeous. That's where I'm, I'm talking to you today from. And it's a whole new world for me to explore. The floral world is very similar to culinary in that sense of impermanence. The flowers bloom, they're perfect, they're gorgeous, and then they go away, right? So I've just bought this place in, in November. We bought it, and it's beautiful, too. It's 35 acres on the Homer side, and then our little universe we're creating. And then it's a 25-minute boat ride over to Tutka Bay Lodge, and then we have 35 acres over at Tutka Bay Lodge as well. And there at Tutka Bay, we have this really super gorgeous old growth forest. The lodge is right on the ocean. We're along a 11-mile fjord. Uh, that's, that's super interesting. Whales galore everywhere, lots of marine life. So I have this world of, you know, having this farm and like today, right now behind me, there are sandhill cranes in the lawn and having 7,000 peony plants feels a little bit like a vineyard or something. You know, we walk the fields and right before I, I came back in to speak with you, we were out irrigating one of the peony fields. So the, the work feels really good for us. I mean, we really love what we're doing so far. Wow. I love that you're able to grow and develop your business that best suits you and your family. And the fact that you're constantly, like you said, learning as you go and having appreciation for all this land around you and how to best use it and steward it. And I also heard you kind of hint at the fact that there are other generations involved. And from what I understand, you have four generations currently within your family residing your home and working in various regards in your business. So can you share a little bit more about those special people in your life? I've been super lucky in that my my parents moved to Alaska about 10 years after I moved up here. And then later on, my two sisters moved here as well. And one sister still lives in Anchorage. But at present, uh, my mother is living with us. My father passed away this past winter at 95 years old and having a outrageously super life. And we were all there and it was a very beautiful passing, if you can say such a thing. But my mom is living with me here on the farm in Homer. And my daughter Carly works for our company. My daughter Mandy works for us. Mandy and her husband are managers over at Tutka Bay Lodge. My daughter Carly is a yoga instructor and a personal trainer, and she oversees our wellness program. And she has an 11-year-old son, Ronan. <laughs> so that, and, and he 100% feels like he's on payroll. He's one of the guides. He has a little backpack with all his cool things in his backpack. And when we have kids at the lodge, then he really loves to get involved with those kids and show them around and boat them around in his little rowboat, showing them a pirate camp or, you know, other, other adventures. So, so four generations at present and nothing I could have ever imagined when I was younger or, you know, teenager or even in my twenties that this would be my perfect life, but it, it really is. Oh, I love that for you. Yes, definitely blessed to be surrounded by family and for each person to kind of find their way within the business and make it their own. I'm sure your your grandson is kind of the camp counselor and probably the favorite, but I, I am curious, what is it like running a business alongside your husband and daughters? Are there any lessons or advice in building a business together and looking for 
the ability to steward for generations to come? Certainly working and living in our, our case together in the sense that, you know, at Tudka Bay Lodge, people live there while they're working there. And it has been the same at all the other remote lodges we've owned. So uh, there hasn't been necessarily a big distance in physical presence. Sometimes, you know, like, okay, family gathering at Christmas, like, oh, it's you again. <laughs> Or wait, we, you know, what are we doing for New Year's? Oh, it's you again. But we have a zillion ways that we navigate our relationships together. And, you know, honestly, we don't even feel like we're at work. We're just feeling, we feel like we're at life. And we try to do a family vacation once a year where we might go somewhere interesting together or the kids might, you know, want to go to warm ocean or or something like that that's different. And we tend to make decisions about going together rather than, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I have to get away from work. I have to get away from family. So we've we've been together for so long and we we definitely navigate our private times. We all have different interests, which is lovely. I'm a huge reader and not as social as Carly, who's, you know, super interested in community and friends and people and gatherings and going to parties or whatever. Mandy has a cat and no one else are, are into cats or, you know, so we have a lot of differences for sure, our own individuality, but we enjoy the, I think the common ethos and mission that binds us. And that is to bring people into the natural world and have them experience why do we live this way? And what do we find valuable in it? We want to show people and share that with them. And that binds us all together. And certainly now that I'm older, Carl's older, and you know the world is what it is, we have a massive mission uh, to do good. We want to save, preserve, and protect land. We want to save trees. I'm, I'm a huge tree person. And you know just the thought of tearing down 100-year-old spruce trees to put in a another house, you know, that, that kind of thing is super important for us. So we spend a lot of time in that stewardship of not only the land that we own right now, right, the, the stewardship of that land, but, you know, hopefully the future of it and the the generations of it. I'm super involved in the Kachemak Bay State Park, which is a gorgeous state-owned piece of land that is just stunning and spectacular and the ocean itself you know pacific ocean i all of us do a lot of work in terms of ocean health and you know what we can do sometimes it's small steps right i recently canceled a trip to japan i love japan i loved japan i've recently broken up with a country japan because of uh, nuclear reactive wastewater being dumped into the pacific ocean and so i had a really lovely trip with my with friends that i adore and love to be with i don't know if you know pico Iyer. he's one of the most incredible travel writers on the planet. He was going to be there in Hokkaido. And I just I just had to say no. And I know it's a small thing. It's a tiny thing. One, you know, old lady from Alaska saying, no, I'm not going to Japan. It's not going to change the world. But it was the way that I could have my own protest, I guess. <laughs> right. You can sleep at night. No, I, I love that you and your family have instilled those values and really stand up for them and support one another in that regard. 
And the fact that you each have developed, to your point, your own personalities, your own ways of working and living. But at the end of the day, you all come together over something that really matters and preserving what you do have and all of your blessings for your future family, for your future guests and the land and and what it will continue to, to grow and become. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. So it's time for us all to take a trip to within the wild as it stands today. Can you paint us a picture of Tutka Bay Lodge as we first journey to your rustic luxury six cabin retreat? What are the travels to the property like and what can we expect to experience upon first sight? So first of all, uh, six cabins is, um, you know, rather you know, small. We sometimes have travel agents that will visit us and say, build 40 cabins here and I will bring, I will fill them for you. And that absolutely will never happen. Uh, We want to stay small and intimate. And that's part of our conservation sustainability efforts. We want to be able to know our guests. (laughs) We want to be able to host them and experience the lifestyle that we have with them rather than being on the phone making more bookings or whatever, right? So we've stayed small all through our career. And that, I think, has allowed us to progress in our sustainable efforts. To come and stay with us, uh, the first step is to fly into Alaska. And most people arrive in the gateway city of Anchorage. Most people have to fly to get to uh, Alaska unless you drive the very long, you know, Alcan trip. We do have a carbon offset program for all of our guests and all of our employees who come and live with us in the summertime. So, you know, in some small part, we're trying to mitigate that travel in a you know sustainable way the next step is to come get to homer and homer's five hours by car or half hour or hour by plane depending on which kind of plane you take and uh, people can fly directly to the lodge which is what most guests do via a float plane or seaplane from the anchorage hub of lake hood which is the world's largest seaplane base and, and then land, land on the water right in front of our lodge at the dock. Or they could take a jet into Homer. We pick guests up at the airport. We drive them down to the boat dock and they get onto our boat and take a half hour boat ride over to the lodge. When you arrive at Tutka Bay, uh, you meet with the managers who are all relatives of mine. <laughs> Just- joking. But uh, you meet with the managers and sit down and have a conversation about your day or what experience you'd like to have. Uh, We have an itinerary planned out, but it's definitely easy to modify it and change it depending on weather, depending on interest. Yesterday, we took two guests up mountain biking that that just expressed an interest in that. We really try to find what will delight guests and what will be exciting 
exciting and important for them. So for some people, it's hiking all day along a wilderness trail. For some people, it's spending the day in the kitchen learning how to cook one of our dishes. It varies, you know, from group to group for sure. Almost all guests will go bear viewing with us. So we're near the Katmai Coast, and that's a very famous area for brown bears, the coastal brown bears. And um, we fly then from Homer in a small wheel plane to this gorgeous beach and land on the beach in the wheel plane. And then we spend several hours just watching a zillion bears eating, frolicking, playing, you know, sometimes fighting with each other, whatever they're doing. We have guests today on that particular trip. When they come in, back into Homer. Carla and I will go and pick them up. And then we're going to do a little tour of the Homer Spit area, which is kind of an interesting outlying harbor piece of land with lots of little shops and restaurants and stores and, you know, little bars, famous little bars, etc. And that's where our Cafe La Baline is. And they want to pick up some t-shirts that, you know, have various sayings on them. So we'll show them around Homer a little bit. Then they'll get on our boat. They'll go back over to Tutka Bay Lodge. The lodge will greet them with some appetizers, some snacks. They'll have the hot tub. There's two hot tubs on a very large deck going. The sauna will be going. They'll have the opportunity to maybe play some games on the deck or do some uh, wellness programs. We have a a wellness manager on our staff. She takes guests into that really gorgeous old growth forest and we do sound meditation. We do yoga classes. I mean, just we try to do wellness programs outside in the natural world, but we also have a yurt there that, you know, guests can do yoga classes, et cetera. We're really into sound therapy, I guess, you know, just how sound and music can affect us and just, you know, feel a particular way in, in the woods. I, I love that. And, uh, and we're cooking classes. So we have four chefs that work at Tutka Bay. I mean, that's ridiculous, right, for, you know, a six-cabin lodge. Per head, you get your own chef. <laughs> yeah, right? Every, yeah. All our chefs are very talented. They've all worked in Michelin-level restaurants. My daughter, Mandy, the manager of the lodge, went to culinary school when she was 17. And uh, she lived in Napa for many years. And, you know, they kind of all network together. Somehow they all know each other and, you know, networky ways. And so our kitchen is really formidable. I mean, we really love what we're doing. We go foraging every day. We gather seawater from the ocean and dehydrate it, but it, it's just perfectly white, you know, for the salt we make. Uh, we only buy Alaska fish from fishermen we know, small boat family fishermen. And, and we have a relationship with the, the farmers here in Homer that produce uh, vegetables and some few fruits and other things. And so we use a local garden produce as well as our own gardens. And our gardens at the lodge can't really sustain us all summer, but it augments our, our food for sure. It makes our food look beautiful. And then, you know, other activities are, are going in our boat. We go out to a place called Flat Island, and it's, the island is uh, full of sea lions laying on the 
island looking back at us. We go whale watching in the evening. We have bonfires on the beach. We can go sport fishing if we like halibut or salmon. If guests prefer, we arrange sport fishing for them. And then we have a glacier nearby. So some guests will, will go by helicopter and go up to the glacier and then hike around the glacier for the day. And then, as I mentioned yesterday, one of our employees is a professional mountain biker, crazy person, but he'll tone it way, way down for me and for our guests and take us on these really fun trips. We have e-bikes, you know, so it's easier for somebody like me to just enjoy the uh, mountain biking experience. Where to begin? I mean, (laughs) I want to do every one of the activities that you mentioned. So it sounds like I might need to spend the entire summer there to do it all. But for you, do you have any personal favorites? I'm sure I can guess between you and Carl who would pick which adventures, but are there any that you're really the most proud of? I personally love going into the forest. You know, the trees are so old. They're so tall. It's mossy. It's dark. It's mysterious. It's kind of fairyland. And I just love being there. And just steps away, we can be on the ocean and, you know, sit on the sand of the ocean. I mean, it's cold water, but just sit there and listen to, you know, to the sounds of the ocean. Today, we have a very, you know, large full moon. So that means we'll have a super low tide. And in low tide, we can see all the little creatures and the tiny little things we don't see at high tide. And um, so the, the universe that's in a handful of sand, you know, is just fascinating to me. And I'm really get it's kind of a new process for me, but I'm really getting into mushrooms and, you know, just fungus, not even just cooking with mushrooms, but just how they, mycology where, you know, the trees are supported by the mushroom culture. And I just love that. And trees, birds, identifying birds and identifying trees. Carl's more, certainly more action person. So he's going to want to hop in the helicopter and go to the glacier and hike around and look handsome into the distant view of the landscape or, you know, that stuff. And then here on this side of the bay and being in Homer, um, just the really lovely aspect of my farm. I know it's not wild, but it's, it's in a wild landscape. So, you know, the peonies are planted. And I'm just totally absorbed right now with learning about uh, floral life, different flowers, how to arrange flowers. I, I've never, I've always just kind of plunked them into a bowl or, you know, whatever. So just learning more about the joy that flowers can bring to people in the same way that food can, you know, the beauty and, you know, the color of flowers. That's been a really great part of my summer this summer for sure. Absolutely. It definitely sounds like there's a little bit of something for everyone. And I'm sure as guests kind of express their interests, you and Carl are like, Ooh, I'll take you. No, I'll take you. (laughs) Start keeping tallies on, on who's doing what activities. But no, I, I love that you have so many different options. And so you can really rest and restore and learn, but then you can also have that sense of adventure and thrill and those memories made. And I do really want to focus in on the dining that you offer because it is so exceptional given your location and the bounty of the land and the sea around you. And so if we were to dine in good company at Tatka Bay Lodge, you have 
the mountains around you, you have the fish from the ocean. What can we really expect to sip, taste, and savor there? So at breakfast, we usually put down multiple small plates uh, at the table, like a little buffet sort of offering. One of the favorite things that I like to serve at breakfast is salmon bacon. So we take cold smoked salmon and we either saute it or we we bake it in the oven until it's crispy. We like to brush the salmon bacon with some sort of wild berry lacquer or, you know, some flavorings of the day, blueberry or salmon berry. <laughs> we have a lot of bear, wild berries here as well. And we always have baked goods at the table. So we have a pastry chef who's super talented at Tatka Bay Lodge, and she makes really delicious breakfast breads. We do a lot with sourdough. We definitely lean into Alaskan history and past and current culture. We like to prepare foods with a Russian note because we're in an area that Russians came to in the 1700s and there's still Russian villages nearby here that sometimes we visit. We really look to Asia as well. We share the Pacific Ocean with them and seafood culture. So we look at different Asian techniques and food ways. And to some degree, we look at the old pioneer uh, gold rush days, you know, with like beans and like the sourdough, the beans and, you know, traditional native foods as well. Flatbreads or fried breads grilled on the fire. We do a lot of uh, live fire cooking. And so all of that kind of converge and swirl together into our own sort of definition of what Alaska cuisine is. So anyway, at the, at the breakfast sort of buffet, we'll have, you know, fruit and we'll have whatever local berries we might have at the time. We'll, we'll have breads. And then the chefs will come out and ask what hot foods they may wish to have. So, you know, omelet or eggs or we use a lot of barley. Barley's grown in Alaska and does really well here. So we use barley and in a substitute of like oats or wheat often. And so we can have hot barley cereal in the morning, et cetera. At lunchtime, often guests are out on adventures and we'll pack a lunch for them. Or if they're at the lodge and they have a hot lunch, we usually do sort of a one course style of uh, luncheon where they might have pizza and salad. Uh, that, the pizza has been grilled on the grill outside. We, we grill over alderwood, which is abundant here. And that's our, that's our favorite grilling wood. We love to have fresh salads. Of course, in the summertime, we're utilizing a lot from our greenhouse. We have a 20 foot by 40 foot greenhouse where we grow a lot of quick greens and herbs and, you know, things like that. And then at dinner, we do a little bit more formal style in the sense of we're doing multi-course dinners. We usually have a pretty extended appetizer hour where we have multiple hot and cold courses because guests are coming back in, they're sharing their stories of the day. We love to pair wines with our appetizers and we have little specialty cocktail drinks, you know, like uh, our manager Eli likes to make a little spruce. He lights the spruce bark on fire. So we have a lot of fun with our, our appetizer hour. And then we have a, a typically a three-course dinner. 
Sometimes it's multiple courses depending on the guests and what they're doing that evening. If they're lingering in the main lodge, we may have multiple courses, but often the three courses gives them enough time to leave the table then, maybe about 8.30 or so, and go out on our boat to do a little whale watching or maybe have the bonfire on the beach. Wow. Stunning and delicious. And I can just picture it and practically taste it all. (laughs) And for those of us who would be very interested in tasting everything that you just described and perhaps learning to cook it and to be able to kind of take those lessons around Alaskan cuisine home, you do have a cooking school housed on an old crabbing boat on site. So can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, so when we first moved to Tutka Bay Lodge, uh, we purchased it from a family that had owned it for you know many many years. The previous owner never mentioned that there was a neighbor, you know, kind of through the woods. And so Carl immediately, of course, started looking around and hiking around, and he said, "You have to come and see this building." And we went over to over the other side of a lagoon and looked in through the woods, and there was a massive, I don't know, seventy eight foot boat pulled up on the land and the the owner then had built a two-story building on top of the boat so it looked a little bit like Noah's ark and I thought oh my gosh this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen and now I think it's you know my most beautiful thing it's you know it's really it's a ugly beautiful thing and the previous owner felt he was a viking and it's just an ethereal big room with these massive tree root chandeliers along a a long table. So I have a table there for 24 people. And when, you know, I saw this and and then I realized maybe he would be interested in selling it, my husband, Carl, rolled his eyes and said, oh my God, what are you going to do with it? We can buy it, but you have to do something with it. And Mandy and I immediately thought, oh, we can make a cooking school here. And we, we actually ran the cooking school there for quite a few years and I loved every minute of it. Nothing, no stainless steel, anything, no stoves. I mean, we did everything by hand. And so most of the time, guests would come over. We would let guests from Homer come over, uh, 12 people at a time, and on three days a week, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And we would go foraging and then use the foraged ingredients in some sort of dish. And we would, you know, do things like make homemade ramen noodles with crab and then teach them how to clean the crab, make the crab, and then make the noodles and then use the foraged greens in the broth and, and, you know, in the dish itself. I'm using the past tense because since the pandemic, we haven't been having public come over to the lodge. So we've been keeping the location very private for our guests' comfort and safety, health safety. We do have occasional weekends. Uh, We have one coming up where we will be doing a baking retreat. So like a three-day baking retreat. And, you know, as we all know, pandemic uh, protocols easing up a little bit. I'm not sure what I will do in the future with the cooking school, but we have been, you know, trying to, we do cooking classes every day for the guests who are overnighting with us and staying with us. It's just the public portion of that program that we have eliminated because of the pandemic. Of course. Well, it definitely makes sense and it can always change and evolve. And the fact that you have that special place to create whatever calls to it in the moment, I think is so special. 
And so I'm sure if I were to come and with my fiance, Nick, I'll be spending the entire time cooking. So I'll plan to come around to retreat and he and Carl can keep busy adventuring through the the wilds of Alaska. (laughs) Now, you not only share Alaska's bounty with your guests, but you also really, as you've been talking about time and time again, stewarding the sustainability of your lodge and its land. And so how can guests and our listeners really further participate in supporting those efforts? It's complicated in the world these days, as we know. There's global warming, there's wars, there's challenges, there's drought, there's floods. You know, we we all are facing a complicated time in our global history. I think for me, where I have been able to get my head around it is to just take my piece, you know, get, find my part that I want to care about. And I understand that somebody hopefully has to care about Western Africa or, you know, has to care about other fires raging in California. You know, we all have to take our piece. But I think for me, Mandy and I, we used to travel quite a bit with, from a culinary perspective, working on global initiatives, uh, Let Girls Learn in Morocco. We spent a month in Morocco teaching cooking classes and, you know, just all these things that we were doing for everyone in need on the planet. And it it can be overwhelming, right? So for us, we made the decision, okay, we're going to stand our ground here, Alaska. Alaska's our home. This is our place. And then within Alaska, okay, South Central Alaska. And within South Central Alaska, Kachemak Bay, this part of the ocean. And we know all of us are interconnected Every country is interconnected. Every ocean is interconnected. But we are focusing on what we can manage and handle. And so for us, it's saving pieces of land that are endangered of being developed. And we have a nonprofit. It's called Be the Wild. In Be the Wild, our guests are invited to contribute to particular projects that are happening at the moment. We just recently bought two pieces of land on very precious and incredibly interesting islands nearby. They're small pieces. So one is five acres and one is 10 acres. Well, that doesn't stop the world, but it it saves those pieces of land. It saves those trees. It saves that beach. It saves that little portion of the ocean from becoming into another $2 million house with, you know, a boat dock. And what we will do with this land or what we hope to do is put them into some sort of conservation program that will allow that land to be there into the future as wild and natural saved land. That's our mission. I mean, that's our little contribution. Um, We also have a whole lot we do within our our lodge lifestyle. We don't use any single-use plastics. We have like pages of of lifestyle efforts that we are working towards to also decrease our own personal footprint on the planet. And, you know, we all do the best we can with that. Absolutely. Well, and for your guests to see how intentional you are about those choices that you're making and to learn and then to take away some of those practices and habits to their own homes and to be able to your point, steward the land where they live. If we all do our little part, then that can go a long way. So I love that you've, you know, you've made those hard choices, but 
for you, they're the right choices in preserving what you have and the area around you and making sure that it's there for your daughters, your grandchildren, and, and all the future generations. Now, I'm sure I speak for both myself and our listeners in wanting to know what the future does hold for you, your family, and your future guests. And so what is next for Within the Wild as a whole? Are there any new experiences or concepts that you and Carl and your daughters are working on or most excited about? Well, you know, so when we bought this peony farm, uh, it had previously been used as a wedding venue as well. And so there's a huge event center here, which we have absolutely no idea what we are going to do with the event center. But, you know, I, I would love to teach children about cooking their own cultural cuisine. I just love the idea of having groups of kids here that can, you know, learn how to fillet a salmon and learn how to cook a crab and, you know, and just know their own back yard more. Um, also, Mandy and I are working on a project where we can bring kids across the bay to Tutka Bay Lodge to experience our magical oral growth forest. Amazingly, there's a lot of children on the mainland in this community that have never been across the bay in a boat because it's expensive. It, it costs money to get a water taxi or to travel by boat. Not everybody has a boat. And so we want the next generation to to be able to experience some of the things that we live around on a daily basis. So that's a project that we're uh, really working on. I'm so interested in the cultural history of our community. On our property at Tutka Bay Lodge, there's a, a site that was previously excavated by archeologists and there was a thousand year old hearth on that site. And I'm just fascinated about learning about who were these people a thousand years ago, you know, living here and eating here and cooking on this hearth and how did they do it? What did they do that? So that's a huge sort of project for me personally to learn more about the Aleutic or Sukbiak people that were here so long before me. And I mean, we have a million zillion little ideas in the hopper, you know, in terms of exciting ways that we can enrich our own lives through through sharing and learning with others. It's almost like you're cherishing the past, you're looking towards the future. If your walls could talk, if the trees could talk, they'd tell all these stories of the past, but they'd really be there to celebrate the new generations learning and experiencing for the first time. So I like that you really recognize that and you're creating these different experiences for these different audiences in a way that you enjoy and your family enjoys, but also that then really provides these very unique and memorable experiences for guests to take away and for your community to take away as well. The fact that you're giving back to your local community and empowering them to build up the community around you. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Within the Wild, and we've learned and grown in good company with you, Kirsten, and thus we have a few final questions, what I'm calling a toast to table topics. 
Who would be a dream dinner guest, someone dead or alive that you would like to share a meal with? So right now on top of mind really is the name I've already mentioned, Wants Pico Iyer. Travel writing is just remarkable. I hope everyone will at least, you know, listen to an audio book even of some of his writing. And he's just published a new book recently, which is is very remarkable. Pico Iyer has come and stayed with us a few times in the past at our various lodges. He lives in Kyoto, Japan. He played ping pong with my husband and he's just an incredible writer. And I I really respect his worldview. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Where is your favorite spot to sneak away to on your property? Definitely down the little hobbit trail in my old growth forest and then along just right before the forest breaks out into the ocean, there's a little sort of hilltop and we put a a wooden rocking chair there. And so you can sit in the woods and, and rock and look out over the ocean. Stunning. I can see it now. Now, if you could only source your food one way, would you choose to forage, fish, hunt, or garden? Garden, 100%. I agree. I love any and all vegetables. Now, do you have a favorite family recipe that you've learned from the generations before you? Many people in Alaska are like Carla and I, where we've moved far away from our family homes. We've had to create our own family traditions. Uh, In our family, one thing that is a tradition, a couple dishes are Russian salmon pie. So, you know, like a kulubiak, right? We make a lovely pastry. Often it's puff pastry. Sometimes it's a different savory pastry. And then we layer the the pie with salmon and cabbage, mushrooms, onions, rice, cheese, and then, you know, put the lid on it. So that's something I very often might make at a holiday time. We don't really eat like that so much anymore. We eat, you know, a little lighter, but we will make that during a holiday time. We'll always have crab on New Year's because we think it's lucky. I know some cultures think that crab is not lucky, but we think it's very lucky to have a crab on New Year's. We make these little funny little appetizers almost every day, gougere. So they're, you know, little French puff, and then we slice them open and we put a little salmon filling in the center. And the filling is hot smoked salmon or kippered salmon mixed with sour cream, cardamom, lemon juice, and pepper. And that cardamom and sour cream, I think, might just be a little nod to my Scandinavian heritage. My father was from Denmark. And in fact, I've named our new little farm the Danish Daughter. How special. I definitely see a lot of that coming through and the dishes and even just the similar landscape and the bounty of produce there is very reminiscent of Denmark, I'm sure. Now, do you personally have a signature recipe that you've created either for one of your cookbooks or for your guests that you want to be remembered for? Well, you know, we, we're a whole family of chefs. So um, my daughter, Carly's partner, Tim, is a remarkable chef. The younger people in my kitchen will often prepare things very differently than I do. They might sous vide everything. Last week, we did a dinner on another farm, not our farm, but it was a beautiful, like 55 people 
outdoor dinners celebrating peonies and celebrating American farmers. And so we donated our time to cook the dinner. And Tim and the chefs, they sous vide the fish going into the farm dinner. Now, I would have never done that. I would have gotten a grill and had some fire on it and just grilled them and, you know, flipped them off and put them on the plate. So a fun thing is that we have some different generations cooking together. And so our views can be quite different sometimes. And I really, I love it when, you know, they sort of try something and they're like, oh my gosh, this is really good. An old idea becomes new again. But I I think that Russian salmon pie, you know, at one point probably was something that I would serve often at the old River Song Lodge kitchen. I've written I think it's five cookbooks now, and the River Song Lodge cookbook was the first one I wrote. And when I go back and I look at those recipes, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, my kids were little, they were babies, and I'm, you know, they're memories. The recipes are like, they can be like little poems or little memories, right? Little points in time and little treasures. So I I like that to change. I think maybe next year it'll be like a peony sauce over salmon maybe or something. I don't know. Oh, I love that. Yes, we'll definitely have to check in to see what all you create in the kitchen this winter. I think it's funny. It sounds like there's never too many cooks in the kitchen in your house. And I love that you have those little competitions or you're using different forms and techniques and challenging one another. So I can only imagine what those conversations and what chaos ensues, but it definitely looks and tastes beautiful, I'm sure. All right. And to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to book a stay, a culinary experience, or a wilderness adventure at Within the Wild? So our website is withinthewild.com. And there is a link there to our Anchorage office. Our Anchorage office is a little house with uh, two lovely people that work there, Lindsay and Hallie, and they answer the phone. And we make most of our bookings through conversation of what guests would like to do with us. But we also have packages and we have itineraries and you can connect with Lindsay and Hallie through email. We'll be sure to link to the website and to include all that information. Now, do you have a newsletter or specific social media accounts that you'd like to share as well? So our Instagram's interesting within the wild. A lot of our food is on Instagram. And then this summer, some of our employees have been doing little Instagram takeovers, which are super cute. I, I, you know, I love when they get, have the time to be involved as well and to tell their stories because we all have remarkable summer stories that are happening right now. We do have our most recent cookbook is Living Within the Wild, and it's for sale at the, you know Amazon and small bookstores as well and online. And I think that book, uh, Mandy and I are very proud of that book because we, we really tried to share back to that same idea. Why do we do this? Why do we live like this? What's important to us? We want to work on a new project. We're not quite sure what that will be yet. We have a couple ideas floating around, but we often like to have a writing project in the hopper so we can, you know, have the excuse to work on it because it's really fun process for us. Um, our website says we have a newsletter and that's been my responsibility to do. And I've really been cronky on that. I haven't been so good about that, but I have a commitment to do better in the future for the website. Of course. I think take a look at the website. And then of course, to your point on the Instagram and the behind the scenes of your team and 
all the happenings over the the different seasons and with different guests and whatnot, it definitely paints a great picture of all that you can do with within the wild. So I will be sure to link to those so that our listeners can check it out and plan their future travels. So thank you so much for joining us, Kirsten, and for sharing with us the wonderfully wild natural world of Alaska that you and your family have come to call home. Thank you, Molly. It's been such a pleasure to meet you, and I'm excited to, to meet you and Nick in the future. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends.